Well, as a true freshman, when you run over, uh, you know, a potential all-conference linebacker and Bryson Strong, that's pretty impressive. I mean, and he's done that several times. Um, so, you know, yeah, no shock there. This is the Splitting Hairs podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated. I, I got to give him credit uh, for being consistently inconsistent. I don't know. If, if, if I'm Nick Hill, I think I probably regret a lot more calls today uh, than John Stiglmeyer or, or Jason Eck or anyone do. And we mentioned the trick play that they asked about, but also, you know, I, I do like blitzing too, Matt, but I would not have blitzed in that situation. Uh, again, it's easy for us to sit out on this side and play armchair because um, I, I like the I like the maverick type mentality that Coach Eck has. And so I'm, I'm going to give the world's worst uh, quarterback analysis here. Second half, Don was really good. Now here are your hosts, Matt Tollefson and Kyle Sheehan. There you go. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the Splitting Hairs podcast presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Kyle, Matt Zimmer joining us today. And then as always, our producer, Dallas Clarkson. Um, man, guys, how you feeling after that one? I, I'm feeling honestly a little bit wore out now. It took me a bit uh, after that game to kind of realize what I just witnessed and how, how fun and how exciting that was. And I, I was dragging this morning. I'm not going to lie. But I, I don't know, just kind of uh, basking in the glow and, you know, enjoyed. Uh, it's cool being here on a Monday, getting to listen to the Stig show and kind of hearing him download there. I don't know if you guys caught that, uh, but honestly, just just happy. This is cool. How about you, Matt? I'm tired. I get home about <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning. Woo. The, uh, the uh, uh, playoff postgame press conferences take a lot longer because they kind of have NCAA protocols they have to follow and they get both teams on the same press conference and it was geez almost one o'clock before it was over so it was uh, yeah it was a very very and then you had to drive home huh Mm -hmm. all right all right so do you did you notice a lot of sioux falls folks up there you guys it's hard to tell i mean i i I thought i thought there were more than 3500 people there honestly it was Um, loud yeah and just kind of using the eyeball test from past years um and then you know the uh the last game they said they're gonna allow 25 percent and then they said, like, on Wednesday, the 25% is sold out. Well, 25% of 19,000 is, like, 4,500 or something. And then they announced the attendance at 2,997 or something. Yeah. So, And then someone told me, like, well, they count them different because of COVID, because they have to put people <laughs> in groups or something. Yeah. So, I don't know. My long way of saying, I thought they were closer to, like, maybe 5,000 people there last night. That's kind of what it looked like to me. Uh, and I, I was expecting like 800 just based on the fact that it was <laughs> time and, you know, yeah. an eight o'clock kickoff on a Sunday night and the weather, it ended up being a nice night, but at the time of kickoff, it was rainy and drizzly and shit. Like I was like, man, no one's going to be there. Yep. So I thought it was a pretty good crowd. All yeah. yeah. I was the student section. I think I was happiest with them. Uh, I was, I was kind of sitting on the opposite end, so I couldn't hear them that well, but man, that was, that was a solid, solid crew they had and they stayed and were loud. And it, was, it was good. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting to see like the past couple games. I think the crews that have been announcing weren't even present on the, you know, at the location. So that's got to be interesting. You know, you're you got your play by play and your color guys who aren't who aren't there. Obviously, Tyler Merriam is there and those cats. But um, it's strange, you know, so mixed mixed feelings on that. But uh, I, I did understand that SIU coming off to a hot start, you know, they got to they got to show them some love, too. And uh, rightfully so, because uh, they, they had us you know, I think I'm reeling a little bit um, for a little bit there. That's, that's something I'll chime in on right away. I, I came away from that game. Not, not that I, I didn't have respect for, for Southern Illinois before. I mean, Kyle, you and I caught the game down there, met the fans. Um, what a well-coached team. Uh, they, you know, they, they came out and I think they may have, they may have schemed a little bit better than we did coming in because on the Stig show today, Stig mentioned how much they changed up offensively. Uh, and defensively too, that we had to adjust for at halftime. But um, they, uh, I think they they traveled well. Uh, we sat by a bunch of their fans. They were fantastic, and just again the the effort that that those kids played with it was it was fun. I Matt's, what's your your take on SIU? Well, it's funny um, when Nick Hill did his early in the week press conference. Someone asked him like, "Well, obviously you're going to have to change a bunch of stuff, right? Because you got beat so bad the first time." 
And he said, well, for one thing, it wasn't schemes, wasn't why we lost. You know, it was all these turnovers and fumbles and all, you know, played terrible, made a bunch of mistakes, which is true. Um, but then he also gave a, 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 what I thought was a really good and interesting quote where he said, you know, if my coaches come to me this week and say, hey, I've got this brand new game plan, he's like, that's kind of going to piss me off because that's what's, what that's telling me <laughs> is that the, the game plan the first time was terrible, you know, and that you guys had a bad game plan the first time. And he's like, I don't want to hear that. So that kind of made me think, well, maybe maybe they really aren't going to change anything up. But I think in hindsight, maybe he was – that was a little subterfuge maybe. Yeah, you know, that yeah he was total, total gamesmanship. Oh, nice. Yeah, because nice. obviously, you know, John alluded to it in his press conference and a couple of the players mentioned it that, yeah, they did some things we weren't expecting. They changed some things up. Uh, and, and you could tell. I mean, obviously the offense had no trouble going right down the field to score, but then, you know, ran into some problems for a while. And and I didn't think the defense really played well all night. I, I think obviously yeah. they, had, they had difficulties from start to finish. And there's, you know, probably some other things beyond just the scheme that factored into that. But, you know, there were a few trick plays, you know, and, and obviously Nick Hill took a lot of chances and some of them probably in hindsight he wouldn't want to. But, you know, they played well. They played hard. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't like this was – a and, and, I, and I don't think it was like the Jacks took them lightly either. I don't think nope. – People will look at it and go, oh, they've won 44 to 3 the first time. This one was a close call. That must have meant they didn't take them seriously, weren't ready right. or whatever. I don't think that was it at all. I think Southern was just highly motivated and they're a good team. They're obviously not nearly as bad as they played the first time. Oh, for sure. They gave a, a better showing of themselves and it was almost enough. Yeah. Here, no, that's, here's, that's here's, a sorry, great point. Here's something I yeah. noticed, Kyle. Uh, so when it was, when we were getting done, sorry, we got a little bit of a lag here. Um, is you know the, the emotion that you saw after the game, and obviously anytime a season ends, you put your heart and soul into it, right? You're gonna it's gonna it sucks and it's gonna hurt. But like, I mean, we were on their sideline, and I, I don't know that I've seen a team that emotional after a game. You know, Lebanowitz played his freaking heart out. Uh, you know, he you could see him on TV, I guess. That uh, uh that big guy, great name that scored the touchdown and then got stuck. Furkran, I think. Fook, Fook, yeah, Furkran. Yeah. Yeah. He that that guy, I mean, was blubbering after the game, and there was it was such a cool moment. Uh, it honestly, as a parent, it got me. There was like a, an SIU administrator, some woman that was like hugging him on the sideline and trying to console him afterwards. Um, but yeah, so they, they came in, and sorry, where I was going to go with that was you look at the way that they've won their last two games, got into the playoffs. I guarantee you, they knew they were going to win that game when they had the ball at the end that whole sideline knew they were going to win, you know, and then to have it snatched away, like just crushing. Yeah, no, they were playing with a ton of confidence and you bring up a good point, Matt, about, uh, you know, Nick Hill would be upset if his coaching staff brought a completely different plan to him because I was kind of surprised Dallas, you'll have to speak to this too, that they abandoned a lot of what I thought they were going to do in game one. Um, they, I thought he had a quick hook on, on stone. Granted that was closer to when they lost their original, uh, guy that they went to Nick Baker, I think was his name. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously they they're playing with a lot of confidence going out to Weber in Ogden, getting the W there. Um, and then it's kind of like borrowed time, right? They're just riverboat gambling, just shooting from the hip left and right. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't like how much we've been blitzing. I don't, and that's all right. I won't make any qualms about that, but if we're going to blitz, uh, I don't think that our, our timing was quite there where it needed to be. But you got to credit Stone because a lot of times when he was he was just dumping it out into the open void and their guys were coming down with it and and that's going to happen. And, you know, uh, Javon Williams on that first pass that got him into the red zone, that was beautiful. I mean, yeah, uh, I can't remember if it was Malik, but he was, you know, right in his hip pocket um, and, you know, there's not much more you could do there. So there was there was three pass plays where it was just like they was just athletes being athletes and nothing you can do. And then there's the, there was the third down stuff, which we'll talk about that in a minute too, where, you know, uh, it's just a, an out route, a curl, whatever that should have been, could have been defended better. Easy for me to say I'm a lineman, but, um, uh, but they, yeah, they're, they just a couple of times they got great guys that made plays. Uh, okay. So you, Kyle, you mentioned the blitzing and I let, I'm curious if both you guys can comment your thoughts because I'll, I'll be the first to admit when I'm at a game live, I am the worst at picking up on what's going on. Cause I just like to get into it and enjoy the game and yell and lose my voice. Um, but I I've got four separate Jackrabbit football text threads with different groups going all four of them independently. were complaining about blitzing. So I, I mean, like what, what did you see? 
that they were blitzing too much is what they were complaining. Yeah, blitzing too much or ineffective, mostly too much, I guess. But because a lot of times over the last few years, especially when Clint Brown was the coordinator, it was that they didn't blitz enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't they ever do pressure? Why don't they ever blitz? Yeah. Yep. And I think you know last night's game, and I'm not going to name names or pick on anybody, but right. the the one on one coverage at times just wasn't good enough. And if you're going to blitz a lot, and I'm usually a fan, I like bringing pressure and, and yep. taking chances like that. But you got to have cover corners that can cover if you're going to do that. And uh, last night, even Don Gardner had a couple tough tough times where he he couldn't get on his guy. Then he he seemed to sort of sharpen up. Second half, Don was really good. He made yeah. a lot of plays. But then they just said, okay, well, we're not going to throw it at him. And they went to the other side, and the Jacks tried a couple different corners there, and they just couldn't do it. And, you know, at that point, maybe you probably do have to stop bringing the house. But whether it's blitzing or not, and you guys can get more back into the blitzing part of it, but I'll just throw this out there. I don't think the Jacks are that good of a pass defensive team this year. Uh, The statistics have been pretty good, but there's no good quarterbacks in the Valley this year. You know, Trey Lance opts out, and Zeb Nolan wasn't very good. Cam Miller's a true freshman. You look around the league, uh, McIlvain didn't play that great in that first game of the year, and maybe that, some of that is to the Jacks' credit, but who are the good quarterbacks in the Valley this year that are going to challenge the Jacks' pass defense? I just don't think they got tested enough. And uh, granted, they had played Southern Illinois already earlier this year, but that was, you know, that game almost you just kind of flush it. It was yeah. so all the mistakes, the screw-ups, and plus Stone Lebanowitz, I think, better player today than he was a month ago. Um, but that's, I think, the biggest concern to me going into this Delaware game is if they have a, a pretty good passing attack, a, a competent quarterback and some good receivers, that could be a problem because I think the Jacks got – and I'm not trying to shit on them like they're a terrible pass defensive team, uh, but I think they got exposed a little bit against Southern yeah. Illinois that, hey, you know, you can throw on this team. You can get receivers open. And granted, Avante Cox, Landon Lenore, those are two outstanding receivers. Yeah. Um, but I think they showed some vulnerabilities there. And, you know, it was funny. And if you guys probably remember this, the Holy Cross game, there were two or three times they had receivers wide open down the field and Holy Cross just their quarterback wasn't good enough to hit, to hit that guy. And I asked John about that in leading up to the week, I was like, Hey, is that something you want to clean up? Because obviously you're going to be facing a better quarterback. And he kind of tried to explain it away. Like, well, one was a trick play and another one was, you know, a guy missed his assignment, you know, kind of making it sound like, yeah, we're not really worried about it. And I just, and I'm not trying to pick on John either. He's, you know, far more intelligent than I am when it comes to this. But I just kind of thought, man, I don't know. I, yeah. I felt like that's something that I would have, you know, said, hey, we got away with this against Holy Cross. We're not going to get away with it against a better passing offense. Let's clean this up. I think escaping yesterday with a win, if I'm one of the defensive coaches, that's something I'm, you know, devoting a lot of time to this week is we didn't get away with it against Southern Illinois. Let's clean that up. Exactly. You know, I, I think that you strike on some good points. There were there were guys streaking across the middle of the field. And a lot of that probably is coach speak that Stig's going to hit you with. You know, he always going to he's he's a math guy by by trade. So he's going to scheme and try to get around some of that stuff as far as showing his his hand, in my opinion, um, because I've been on those practices where he gets after the guys right after, you know, blowing their one eleventh, as he would say. But uh but I, I tend to be a, more of a glass half full guy in terms of they got exposed and we got the dub, for, yeah, fortunately, absolutely. Be, because the margin there uh, for it, this next week against Nolan Henderson, who's shown that he, he can ball a little bit. Ooh, it's we're going to have to clean that up. And I think that's kind of a, you know, a wait, a great awakening uh, for us, hopefully. So what's your take? I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to rationalize. I, the easy answer is is more about depth than than skill. Because obviously, you know, we lose Diamond, you know, we, we lose a couple guys before the season starts. That's pretty damn tough to come back from. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, when we were able to, to do it and be in the position that we're in. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's not typically a position that you're rotating, though, either. So I, I just, again, I'm trying to think through that because I know that's something that we've, we've all discussed as a group that, that we think it's maybe more of a depth issue. But, but again, it's not like you're rotating corners in you know, every, every well, fourth. Like that's, every a, that's a really good point too, though, because I think I was listening to your post game presser matter or someone was talking and coach Diggs said they were rolling a lot of different personnel groupings and packages in. So we were trying to, you know, adjust and, and, and change our personnel groupings as well. So that, that can be a function of, you know, guys getting in there cold or not, you know, not in the flow or in the action of the game, which we should really, you know, obviously transition now to probably offense and talk about how, you know, Mark did an amazing job for a freshman getting back into the game. Cause at first there, you know, 
Matt, I know you're a Twins fan. Kind of seemed like, you know, Chuck Knobloch, yips were going to come out. <laughs> and I was just like, damn, can't have that happen, <laughs> you know? So, but he settled in. So uh, what do you guys think about the offensive performance? I mean, it's not the first time this year that he's – that's kind of been his M.O. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's an inaccurate quarterback. He's obviously got a big arm. Uh, but I think at this stage in his career – and it seems to be fairly common with young quarterbacks is a lot of times it's those short to medium yeah. to intermediate throws that can be the tough ones. And he just has bouts of inaccuracy. You know, he, he hasn't had like a whole game where it's like, man, he just couldn't find it today. He was wild, whatever, but every game there's a few. And I think too, you know, this offense isn't built to play from behind. This is, yeah. the offense isn't built to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Yep. Um, and you know, all of a sudden you find yourself down 13. That's, you know, not ideal circumstances for this offense. And I don't think Mark got rattled so much as he was just sort of in unfamiliar territory where it's like, Hey, wow, it's a lot harder to pass when they don't have to be as respectful towards Pierre strong and Isaiah Davis. Cause they know we're going to pass. I think he struggled with that a little bit and it took him a little while, I think, but I think Jason Eck gets deserves a lot of credit for saying, okay, how do we get this back on track? You know, that little uh, delayed pass to Pierre Strong right yeah. at halftime. Uh, those are the kind of throws, the, the throw to Tucker Craft, getting the tight ends and running backs involved. Because even when this offense has been putting up 40 points, four or 500 yards a game this year, uh, they don't throw to the receivers a ton. You know, a no. lot of passes to the running backs and tight ends. I think no. Jason recognized, like, hey, Mark's kind of struggling here. Let's give him some easy throws yeah. to the backs, get it to the tight ends. And that seemed to be what got him back on track. It's I, so I'm I'm going to give the world's worst uh, quarterback analysis here because I, I'm a lineman and I can't throw to save my life, but uh, we're, we're going to go with it anyway. Um, so there's, there's basically from my understanding, there's kind of like three trajectories of a football when you break down like short, medium, long routes, right? I mean, there, there's the dart, there's the in-between and there's the actual lob where you get an air under it. And where it's looked like to me is when he gets in between each one of those is where it either sails on him a little bit or he loses some accuracy because I think Matt, to start out with there, you said that the short to medium game and like you look at in, in my mind, anyway, his, his best passes that we've seen the thread, the needle, you know, dart to a tight end. It's all just, it's a laser beam mm -hmm. and it looks gorgeous. Like it could be, you know, you could see that on a Sunday, but then it's the stuff where it just, it's, it's changing the touch a bit where maybe he needs to, you know, grow into that a bit as, as he gets older. Yeah, um, his second best throw is probably the straight up bomb. Bombs. You can just let it go. Yep. Then you don't, there's not really any any questions. Just let it go. And we saw a couple of those bombs to the Yankee boys earlier on in the year. That's the other throw that he really excels at. I think you're right. It's it's kind of finding that, you know, and Taron Christian struggled with those throws at times. Um, you know, Taron couldn't throw the quick out of the running back. You know, as great a quarterback as he was, he just yeah. didn't make that throw. Um, so, you know, every guy has his sort of strengths and weaknesses or whatever. Um, and, and I think with Mark being a freshman, that's obviously the area where he can continue to improve going forward. And I got to be honest, you bring up a, a good point. I'm glad you invoked Taryn uh, Christian in this conversation because I didn't really think we'd see a quarterback play the position at state that had the running ability that Taryn did. Because um, obviously Taryn was a track star at Sioux Falls Roosevelt. You know, uh, he could move, put, but he had uh, an unbelievable showing in 2016 with his legs in the Fargo Dome that really, really took control of the entire game. But Mark's done that week in and week out. And honestly, it's like the feature now, I feel like, of, of this style of play with the three-pronged approach, you know. It is. Stig brought that up uh, earlier tonight and basically just said, hey, at this point, we're not holding anything back. He's – he didn't call him a running back, but it was basically the – the gist of what he was getting at was, Hey, we're going to run him. There's no, we're not, we're not trying to protect him. We're not saving anything. Like if he's, if he's one of our three best running backs right now, we're running the ball with him. Oh, he's good at it. I mean, I don't think, you know, Taryn was, I, I don't want to call Taryn a scrambler. Cause you know, Kyle, you mentioned he rushed for 141 yards in the Fargo dome that game, but he kept plays alive. You know, he had escapability, athleticism, you know, his balance, all that kind of stuff. I don't think Mark quite has that necessarily, but also you would never have called Taryn a running back. Yeah. Mark kind of is, you know, he yeah. runs hard. He runs <laughs> He's gritty. Hard. Yeah. I love yeah. That. And he probably doesn't quite have the breakaway speed that Taryn does, but once he gets into the second level, I mean, he's not looking to, you know, slide or run out of bounds. How many 60 yard touchdowns does he have this year? Like five, six? Yeah. <laughs> the last count, he's kind of used to it. Yeah. 
Um, hey, we, we got a handful of questions coming in here. Sorry, I'm trying to keep caught up. Rick Jensen just chimed in that uh, Gronowski trucked a linebacker last night. Yeah, he's done that a lot. Yes, accurate. Um, all right, so when we got on the screen here, back to the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, maybe I'll let you chime in on this one, but uh, what do you think about the SAU trick play where they fumbled? I've got a helper next to me here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. There we go. Hey. Uh, all right, go, go ahead. Yeah, I just thought it was a product of a you know a lot of guys uh, getting hands on the ball. I think Javon Williams was in the formation to to receive the the snap, and you know when he was out last week with a concussion uh, at Weber State, so he probably had a week of practice, and all that is timing, right? Timing and repetition, timing and repetition with guys going in and out, cycling in and out because of injury, games getting called off, rescheduling, different packages going in. I think that there was just some doubt, right? There was some doubt, and, and someone didn't make a, a decisive play on the ball uh, until Xavier Ward came up with it. So, I mean, that's just that's just how it's going to go. I thought uh, it was a dumb call. <laughs> what was that? I said I thought it was a dumb call. Yeah, also <laughs> also not the greatest call. Too cute, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's. I mean, I forget if it was if it was Tyler or Stig said, you know, just live by the sword, die by the sword. Like, you you know, you you won some games off of that. You're going to lose some and. Unfortunately, it came up on the on the other side for them. Or fortunate for us. And, and while we're on that topic, third and sixteen, in, going in, I I do like blitzing too, Matt. But I would not have blitzed in that situation. Uh, again, it's easy for us to sit out on this side and play armchair because um, I I like the I like the you know maverick type mentality that Coach Eck has, and you know I know Coach Rogers has that because I played with him and he's he's a wild man. But uh, but I think. You know, in situations like this, it's not only the players who have who haven't necessarily been there uh, with all the youth we've got, but a lot of these coaches too. You know, it's it's new territory coaching, and you know now we're going to be in the semis at home. You mm-hmm. know, spring season, a lot of lot of variability uh, going on. So I don't know what was your take on that, Matt. What uh, you don't have to like throw anybody under the bus or anything, but what do you think about some of the timely calls? Uh, well, I mean, you know, obviously everyone was, you know, my mentions filled up when uh, Eck called for the passing play on second down when they were trying to run out the clock. And I didn't like the call either, just especially given it was, I think it was second and four. Yeah. Um, you know, if it had been second and nine, second and 10, then I think maybe it's a little bit better call. But I will also say in their defense, it was very obvious that when they called the play, they knew it was a risky call because it was clear Mark had been told you know, do not throw the football. force it. Yeah. You, you know, take a sack if it breaks down. Cause he immediately was like, Oh shit, there's nothing to eat it. He ate <laughs> it. And uh, you know, it took him out of, you know, third and long and ended up killing the drive when second and four, you run power or something there. You're probably worst case scenario, looking at third and two and possibly getting a first down. Uh, that's one of those calls. If that works though, you know, it's a genius game's over and everyone says, Oh man, what a great call. And I think the fact that he clearly obviously coached it up to where like, yeah, don't, don't take any chances here. Worst case scenario, take a sack. It still kind of worked out for him. I didn't like that call. Um, but for the most part, you know, it, it was a weird game too in that if, if, if I'm Nick Hill, I think I probably regret a lot more calls today uh, than John Stigelmeyer or, or Jason Eck or anyone do. And we mentioned the trick play that they asked about, but also, you know, uh, trying the quick snap after the phantom touchdown call, you know, maybe the refs still should have stepped in and reviewed that or whatever. I don't know. Um, You know, kicking the field goal the one time going for it the other time. I mean, Nick had to make a lot of tough decisions in his defense and he's a young coach and he's the underdog on the road and everything, but boy, I mean, he, he had to make a lot of tough calls and, and I bet he's probably kicking himself for some of them. And also we haven't really addressed it yet, but, the refs weren't very good. And and I'm generally not the kind of guy, like, every game my Twitter mentions fill up with people bitching about the refs, and I'm always just like, <laughs> you know. but this was one game where I was kind of like, man, they, these guys are really struggling. Yeah. And uh, was- but for, most the, for the most part, I thought uh, the Salukis were getting the benefit of most of them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of questionable pass interferences against that the That one in the end zone was absolute garbage. That was straight yeah. in front of me, and, and there, I mean – I don't know. I try not to be overly critical of refs, but yeah, it was, I agree. Uh, As much as as Southern Illinois, I thought got most of the good, the big one was the one against them. You know, that if I, and I, you know, some of the replays, it looks like maybe the guy's heel 
touched out of bounds. I'm not sure. But if he scores there, it's 27-17 with a minute left in the third quarter. That might have been the game. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Kurt, Kurt Lucas here threw up a comment. Uh, not wanting, but it was hard to believe. Hardly any holding flags. Uh, I just I thought that was funny. That sounds like the dad of a defensive lineman more than the dad of an offensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to give him credit uh, for being consistently inconsistent. I don't know. Um, it was just, it was strange because we were blitzing and, and we were blitzing with authority and it seemed like they were picking every blitz up. And now I, I, I don't watch them to, to kind of bitch about the officiating. Likewise. Um, I just try to see what happens, but um, it definitely seemed as though they were, uh, they were, they were benefiting uh, from no calls or from calls. And, you know, obviously the big one, it bit him in the rear, but you know what happens all the time. I remember Nebraska, Kyle Manette scored three times from the one, and we never got it called. You just can't leave it in the ref's hands, and we did that at North Dakota this year. That was probably the worst officiated game I've I've personally watched, but you know, you just got to kind of shrug it off and move on. Yeah, they did have four chances uh, yeah. from the one-yard line. I mean, as much as – they were pissed about that. And understandably, it looked like a touchdown to me. Yeah. You uh, also still had four chances from the one yard line. Exactly. And they didn't they didn't effectively pass from the from that position um, when they've had success. So you never know. Um, should we kind of break it off and kind of keep a keep an eye out on the quarter or on the semis now and talk a little bit about who we've got coming up? We could. Uh, should we do we want to talk about uh, Tollefson's uh, game ball? Yeah, sure. You want to go Folks. through that? Yeah, let's let's run through that here quick. And honestly, he's always the best at talking individual performances. But uh, let me get let me get those pulled up for you guys here. And and while you're pulling those up, you know we could always talk about Melinda Gates is now single. So I'm gonna shoot my shot, <laughs> Melinda. If you uh, if you come by this, you know I have a PE degree, but uh, <laughs> I like serving people too. Anyways, <laughs> so I, a way to use your platform. You know, it's good. All right. So, uh, game balls, uh, you know, blog Matt took care of right away this morning. What, what happened by the way, Matt Tollefson, he texted, said something about, he had just left WW tire in Brookings. What Kyle, did you catch what happened to him? Yeah. He got a flat tire on the way up like 30 minutes North of Brookings. And then, uh, just knocked on a, someone's farm door and, and got the t- equipment he needed, I guess, to put the donut on and made it all the way to Brookings. And, I mean, that's dedication. So, I was, all right. I, I was curious. I wasn't sure if he was trying to get a sponsorship there out of the deal. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. We're, so, we're, we're shooting our shot all night tonight with sponsorships <laughs> and proposals. So, all right. So, as he was waiting, uh, the, the kind folks at WW Tyler Tire of Brookings uh, were taking care of him. He wrote uh, his rants and raves section. So, game balls, uh, offense, probably no surprise. Uh, Mark Gronowski. Uh, you know, not again, not the flashiest numbers, but I, I just, I don't know. Effective, I think is the best word that I can use for him he all year. Yeah, he cool. had a lot of, One, fly, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry with passing. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, nine, nine to 16, 183 uh, on, on that side. But yeah, obviously, I mean, when you look back at the game, that, that touchdown is what everyone's going to remember. And that's going to be going to be burned into memories for a long time. Well, as a true freshman, when you run over, uh, you know, a potential all-conference linebacker and Bryson Strong, that's pretty impressive. I mean, and he's done that several times. Um, so, you know, yeah, no shock there. Michael Griffin, obviously with the big pick late in the game. Um, you could have probably thrown in Caleb Sanders there too. Um, he, he's just been a, a stalwart there in the middle. Um, I personally want to throw an offensive lineman into the mix here who I, I really like his mentality because he's nasty and we're going to need that against the blue hens. Cause coming from the East coast, it's a different mentality up there, man. It's cutthroat and these guys are some dogs. So Garrett Greenfield is going to really need to continue, um, being a bully. Um, and I think he's pulled really well when we're, when we're trying to move the offensive line. Um, obviously he, he created a nice little crease on Mark's long touchdown run. So uh, that was excellent. And Matt, you brought this up. Uh, I didn't even notice this, but Keaton holding on those snaps, that was incredible. <laughs> like the job that he did, that changes the whole complexion too. If yeah. we don't get- they might not have won the game if they, you know, if he misses a couple of those or he was doing some, uh, some impressive work there. Absolutely. And, 
And it's like one of those things where you got a guy who, you know, loses his job, could sulk and mm-hmm. just not be bought in, not be engaged, be have his eyes set on next season, whatever he's going to do with the portal or not. And, uh, you know, I you got to give a kid that's that young like that big kudos. For sure. They Stig has brought up uh, three times now in the last week or so. At some point, Jimmy Rogers must have made a comment to him early in the season, pulled him ahead, you know, pulled him aside and said, coach, this, this team is different. Like this is, I, I, I forget the words exactly, Matt, he might even have said it to you. I, I don't recall who, uh, who it was in, in the press conference, but he just, he made a comment that, that Jimmy Rogers had, had said, this team is different. And I, I think that that's that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of confident leadership and, and I think just everyone's bought in top to bottom. And that, I think that's going to, you know, that's what's taken them this far for sure. Someone had asked Stig, which, what do you expect the guy to say? He was like, do you think this team like isn't going to choke like every other team does? That's kind of what the, what the question was, basically. I heard that. It killed yeah. me. Like, yeah. what are you – you're asking it's this like, right now? Uh, yeah. But then he, he was like, yeah, this." they've said this team – it was a good job. Stig will never, you know, go Greg Popovich on you and say, that's a stupid question. Take the bait. find a way to sort of massage even the dumbest questions. And I'm not saying that was a dumb question necessarily, but – but yeah, that's what came up. That someone's saying, like, are you finally gonna not choke? But even that it, you know, <laughs> we get sidetracked, but also like I feel like it's a little unfair to accuse the Jacks of choking all the time when most of these losses are like at the Fargo Dome. Like exactly. I, I get it, you get sick of losing that game all the time, but you're kind of supposed to lose at the Fargo Dome. That's not really choking, that's just losing to the better team. It is. I, although on okay, I bring this up about every third week, but I was out at JMU that year. Uh, my wife and I flew out there, went to that. That was there too. <laughs> oh, oh, were you? Okay, yeah. I, I still get PTSD from that one when I see that field. So I wasn't there, but I bought national championship tickets like a dummy. <laughs> but then I flipped them, so we won. All right, there know. we go. <laughs> okay, uh, Matt. Any any individual performances that uh, you want to want to call out quickly from from last night before we move on? Uh, it's always tough singling out an offensive lineman because obviously nobody watches the same guy every single play. But every time I was watching Mason McCormick, he was abusing his dude last night. He had a really good game. Now, again, there might have been four or five plays I wasn't watching where he got beat or Jason X probably, you know, barking at him when he watches the film. But every time I was watching him, he was pushing his guy back. And he's also nasty, which we're going to need. So I, I agree. It's It's interesting this year. It's it's so cliched for everyone to credit the O line, right? Like, I mean, you hear that any any skill guy gets interviewed that you hear that, and it almost feels forced and f- fake and forced sometimes. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't know that I've heard a skill player or a coach speak the entire season without complimenting the offensive line, and it, and it seems completely genuine every time because yeah, they're a bunch of bullies. Well, I asked Jason Eck uh, last week. I uh, did a story on West Janant and just how, you know, having him back for a full year has been big for them. But I asked him point blank. I said, is this the best offensive line you've had since you've been here? And he said, yeah, it is. And he didn't hesitate much. And then he said, I can't speak for before I got here, but in the five years I've been here. And I said, well, if it's the best one since you've been here, it's the best one they've ever had. <laughs> yep. uh, because obviously it's been, um, you know, offensive line isn't like, quarterback or or even you know running back receiver where you can just go out and recruit an awesome dude and plug him in there and you fixed it because there's five guys and if even one of them is shitty that can bring everything down and so it's such a it's a process to build an offensive line and Jason had a tremendous offensive line at Mankato State when he was there they were the division two version of the bison they beat everyone up and they ran the ball 80 percent of the time that's why he was a great hire for one. Yeah. And secondly, when he got here, he kind of recognized like, okay, I'm not going to be able to just turn this around overnight, go out and recruit two stud tackles. And we're going to all of a sudden be dominant. They've been building that thing for five years. And, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, you know, Jacob Onasorgi and Evan Greenway and Charlie Harmon. And a lot of those guys, not, you know, Onasorgi was a star. A lot of those other guys I mentioned were just pretty good. You know, but a lot of times they're covering for somebody else who maybe isn't that good or there's injuries or whatever. This year, that five they have across the board, I think, is just the best cohesive unit that they've had. And that's the key. You know, you get 
Maybe you don't have that NFL tackle on, on that line necessarily, but you got five guys that are all pretty good. Yeah, no, you nailed it. Co- cohesive because, you know, that's, that's the, the, the unit on a football team where it isn't necessarily total skill level combined. Like the, the, the chemistry of the group is, is really what makes or breaks it. And, and that's true on just about any team you're going to see. Yeah. And you know, all, all the offensive lines that, that we've had over the years, I think have gotten progressively better in their own, you know, ways, you know, back in the mid two thousands, you know, you had Casey Bender, Casey Knips, um, Nate Koskovich, just mountain of men. But I think the mobility, the athleticism started to get better. Now you're seeing more communicative offensive linemen. And what I really liked that coach Eck did, um, because I, I didn't know anything about him uh, prior to it. I knew he's at Mankato, but I, I had no idea about like his style or anything. I like that he branded it 605 with a mentality, right? Like something that's uniquely theirs to mm-hmm. own because when you're an offensive lineman, man, it's so unglamorous. Like you're, you're just getting bashed up. I think Kurt posted a picture of uh, Egan's hands after a game, after yep. wearing gloves and they're just <laughs> bloody. And like, he's not going to get an award for that, like bloodiest hands, but you know, they have an ownership and a pride about them. That's different than what I've seen. So I, I really like what they're doing and they're going to need to bring it next week. Yeah. Not, not to make this all about Eck, but I mean, I live in Mankato and I knew a lot of the players that were in that era uh, right before he left. And he was hands down the player favorite coach on that team. And they were so angry when he left and so, so sad. Uh, you know, so I, yeah, I thought that was going to be a good one. Awesome. Well, should we move on to uh, to Delaware and discuss a little bit about uh, the other semis? Yeah, we can. Let's jump into that. I, Matt, how much time have you had to to take a look at Delaware? Because I I got back from the game and I, I attempted to watch uh, some of yesterday's and ESPN doesn't seem to have the streaming, uh, doesn't mm. seem to have it uploaded yet. wasn't working for me. Have you, have you dug in much yet? Not a ton. Um, I listened in on their uh, coach's press conference today. And he talked and talked and talked and talked and didn't say a damn thing. I mean, it was just kind of one of those, you know, not giving you any good material and also, you know, like one of those guys that makes you, you feel like, oh, this is a good, this is a good guy, you know, and then you get done like, wait, he just talked for five minutes and didn't say anything, you know, <laughs> one of those sort of things. So not a lot of insight. Um, their quarterback, he did make sure to mention that, I don't know if you saw the quarterback took a late hit. Uh, he was not afraid to call out what a cheap shot he thought that was. Uh, there was a lot of the focus was on how he is, you know, how healthy he is. If he's going to be able to play. Sounds like he's going to, I would expect him to play. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, um, if, if indeed he is a capable quarterback and, and that's a, a, a dangerous passing game, that's a problem because SDSU, like I said, I think found out this week that their passing defense maybe isn't as good as they thought it was um, without getting too much into their personnel yet or anything. Just the one thing that stands out to me is, uh, you know, they're in the other, the quote unquote, other good conference, the CAA, uh, and they went seven and zero. They didn't play JMU, uh, but as you guys probably know, the CAA decided instead of using any sort of tiebreakers, they were going to vote for the league champion. Well, they voted for Delaware, and I mean, you guys know how petty coaches are. It could just be that they all think Kurt Signetti's a dick, and they voted for <laughs> Delaware for that what? reason. I don't know. I don't know. Never. Uh, Why but, would you think that? But it could also mean that they they just think Delaware is the better team. That they all saw both teams and said, "Yeah, no, Delaware played a tougher schedule, or they're just a more phys- whatever it is." They, it could just be they think they're the better team. Uh, and if that's the case, that says something because James Madison's good. I know a lot of people have this year kind of tried to say, "Ah, they're down. They're not as good. They haven't played anybody." And maybe there's an element of truth to that but they just handed it to North Dakota pretty good the other day. I mean, I think I got the sense I didn't watch like every down of that game, but I was watching a lot of it and North Dakota was struggling to hang in that game. Um, so if, if James Madison's that much better than the only team that beat the Jacks uh, and Delaware is in fact better than JMU, then that means a really good team is coming to Brookings on Saturday. Which is exactly what I think. And I think it's more of a mentality than, than uh, scheme or anything we could put together. I think it's going to have to be a, a soul searching gut check. Cause I think these guys have bad intentions and I'm not trying to call anybody out. And I don't know who's watching this doesn't really matter, but just speaking candidly, I, I wonder if we're, <laughs> I, I want to see how tough we are. 
we see, you know, Minnesota, nice South Dakota kids, their farm, their farm kids. And I'm not taking shots. I love those people, but you need some dog when you got people coming from Newark, you know, it's like, it's a different animal out there. And, and I believe in them, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle. Cause I do think they're the best in the CAA. I did get to watch some of the JMU game. They can run the ball. I, I don't think that, I mean, they run the ball with the best of them. I'll just say that. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting uh, end of the season here. I'm most, when we get into, when I'm able to get in to see some film, I'm most excited to watch Delaware's defense because I mean, that's what I've heard just from a few people. I think Stig mentioned something earlier today that they've got, they've got a tough defense. You, you look at, uh, I want to say, I might, I'm going to get these stats wrong, but I think they're like number two in the country in scoring defense and number four in the country in total total you know yardage or something allowed or something like that so very stingy i think they're giving up um 11 points a game yeah when you and when when you look at yeah when you look at their first few games it's like they're beating their opponents by an average of 67 to 6 or something three something like that um and you know they're not the most stout of the CAA opponent opponents that they were putting it on, but then they get into Rhode Island and the margin is still pretty good there. And Rhode Island's a good team. Um, so yeah, it's going to be one of those things. If you look at their roster and how they're assembled too, um, it reminds me of literally back when uh, Casey Keeler coached them, who's now the Sam Houston state head coach. They're all built like linebackers or undersized three, four DNs. They're they're I mean, they're FBS caliber size here. So I heard they have a 225-pound safety. They're big, bro. They're they're Whoa. big boys, and they're Ooh. they're mean. Like you watch them, they're getting in people's faces, and that's not indicative of necessarily their ability on the field. But they're not going to take anyone's shit, and and we better be willing to match that and exceed it. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Their quarterback, we talked about him, uh, Henderson. He's good, Matt. Like you said, he got dinged up a little bit. Everyone saw that cheap shot. Um, I'm sure by now, but, uh, you know, he was heading out of bounds. Guy could have pulled up for JSU and he decided to make his presence known, which costs his team. Hopefully we don't do any of that. Um, I love the way Don's playing lately, but sometimes when he gets up and he's wagging his finger, I'm like, Oh man, don't, don't do that to my emotions. Um, but outside of that, I think, uh, you know, they have a good running back. He's got some shift to him. Um, he's not necessarily, you know, he, he's no lip key, 240 pounds or anything like that, but he's definitely going to have more, uh, mobility to create, uh, out in space. I know, uh, defensively, like I said, uh, they have a number 11 of their own. That's pretty good. He's a sophomore, um, 235 pounder. I lost it right here. His name is, uh, Liam trainer. He made some, some plays in the JSU game that, uh, helped shift the momentum. And, you know, they're going to have they're going to have dogs all over the field. So um, it'll be good. But, you know, I think Matt, Matt, you or Sam Herter or someone I saw on Twitter had talked about the distance they've had to travel lately. You know, that's going to that's going to show up. Well, and just, you know, with the the way it's set up now, uh, Rocco was saying, uh, I think they're probably going to fly in on Thursday and then they stay in Sioux Falls. Then they have to drive up for a COVID test on Friday morning, then go back to Sioux Falls, then come back up on Saturday morning. And that'll be different. Like for uh, Southern, that probably wasn't as, wasn't as big a deal because the game wasn't until 8 o'clock at night, you know. But now if these guys are going to, you know, come up for an 11 o'clock kickoff on Saturday morning, you know, that means they're probably leaving Sioux Falls at, I don't know, what, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's definitely seven. probably seven. not just the home field advantage, but just the whole – as much of a cliche as it is, the whole sleeping in your own bed thing, I, I think that's going to mean a little more to the Jacks this week, probably. Yeah, and and uh, I'm not sure how they uh, came out of the Jacksonville State game as far as injuries or being, uh, you know, unscathed or anything like that. Do we know? Have we gotten any idea? Uh, they talked about it a little. Certainly, they're not as healthy as the Jacks. I know that. Okay. I don't think they're like depleted or anything. But of course, so, I'd heard that. Oh, Southern Illinois is just running out of bodies. They're deep, so beat up. They're going to, you know, that didn't seem to be much of a factor. So, <laughs> nope. no, and they did a lot better again against the run than I thought they would as far as early on in the game. Um, you know, bottling up Pierre is is no easy task. And Isaiah, they controlled them both pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Isaiah. I did think that, uh, and, and no criticism, I just like Isaiah against that defense a bit more because he just one cut and gone. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see which one of those guys favors this Delaware matchup this week. And I like what we have been doing is kind of going to the hot hand. Um, it seems like it's been working. So uh, we'll see. It looked and, and, you know, I didn't get a, a ton of opportunity to, again, look at any individual players with Delaware, but going down, they look like they're just built like, again, a, a championship caliber team. When you look at, you know, they win time of possession fairly handily. Um, turnover margin is, is very good. They, they seem to take care of the ball well. So I think that, that, I mean, this could look like one of those stereotypical chess matches where just kind of back, forth, back, forth, field position. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, Davis, Pierre, somebody breaks one off and, and it's advantage Jackrabbits. Yeah. And they play the same brand really of football is like a lot of the CAA top tier guys, your, your JMUs and your Delawares and, and even the Villanova and, and Rich Richmond's, they want to run the ball and control the clock just like NDSU. So Fortunately, in terms of personnel packages and groupings and all the window dressing, um, you know, we've been prepared now because I think Nick Hill does one of the best jobs in the country at that. And I think he maybe got a little bit too much into his own bag, as you were saying, Matt. And, uh, you know, so hopefully we're prepared. Nothing's going to overwhelm us on that front. Um, Matt, what do you think about the moment? Did the moment feel too big for I mean, we got so much youth out there. Did it did it seem shocking? I mean, I don't think so really because um the, it wasn't the first time you know i i think i've said this a couple times already playing ndsu when they did could not have benefited them more um the fact that that game got pushed back i think ended up being a huge thing for the jacks because first of all they got to rest for a month and everyone's you know healthy and rested and all that but then you beat the bison on the last game of the year so you have as much momentum as you possibly can going into the playoffs and also, you know, what moment is going to seem too intimidating or too big for you after you've, you know, faced that down? And especially you throw in two, uh, first game of the year, Northern Iowa, and that seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, <laughs> that game, you know, they start – it followed the script of so many games this year. You know, great start. Looks like they're going to blow them out. Then they kind of start, you know, whatever, getting lackadaisical, and it gets away from all of a sudden they're losing – uh, Mark Gronowski in his first college football game has to leave them on a, a, a two-minute drive to win the game. Uh, and granted, the stakes weren't quite as high then. Um, but, you know, if they don't win that game, they're they're certainly not the number one seed. Yeah, uh, That ended up being a huge win. And I think it was kind of like, okay, I can do this, you know. And he had, again, not quite the same circumstances, but Youngstown State, they kind of, you know, played like crap for most of that game and then just found a way to win it late. Uh, this whole year, they've kind of – they played a, a very difficult schedule, had the two blowout wins, but the rest of them were all, you know, kind of stressful, difficult games. And I think that benefited them this past week yeah. against in Illinois. And I think it'll benefit them going forward is like they know what's at stake. And to Stig's credit and, and the whole staff, they're not trying to, you know, oh, it's just another game or, you know, as much as they talk about the one and oh stuff ad nauseum and everything, they're also, you know, they know their players aren't stupid. They're not you know, trying to get them to not acknowledge what's at stake in these games. We all know what's at stake and we all know that there's more pressure on them than ever because of the fact that this year you're the number one seed, you're at home, North Dakota State's not even in it. You know, everyone is basically saying either win this or it's a failure. That's pressure. But I think <laughs> these guys are handling it. And in part because week after week after week, they've almost been in playoff mode all year anyway. And, and that's a phenomenal point, and it plays off of exactly what shocked me from Mark in his press conference when he said uh, his dad told him, um, never let the pressure exceed the pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, in, in when he says it, you know, there's a lot of guys that can just say what what they're playing to the the audience or the interviewer, where mm -hmm. they say what they've heard other guys say, or Mark is just himself. And I, and I really, it seems to show at least, um, and we'll see how he progresses, but he seems very comfortable in who he is and that that's a guy you want to follow. So, so it makes sense that he's earning the respect of all of his, you know, upperclassmen peers. And uh, yeah, I think they're going to be prepared for whatever they see. It's going to be exciting. Um, we, and that's pretty much it on that, but uh, we should really, but we're getting kind of tight on time here. We should really talk about Sam Houston state and uh, the bison real quick. Yep. Bison with an S with an I, I S. Like, no I, I like how you pronounce that. Yep. Good job. Yes, sir. Um, so I, I got to watch that game. It was wild, right? Like, first of all, 
Um, I'm glad Sam Houston State won because I thought Monday was going to be very rough for their special teams coordinator. Um, and I'm glad nobody's on the nobody's on the hiring wire right now. Um, at least as far as uh, the Bearcats are concerned. Uh, you, you remember my take going into the our game with Watson. Exactly. I, that was that was the one thing I declared. Yeah. If we kick to Watson, I want someone fired. Yep. On the sideline, right there. You said it, ad, it out. Done. You said it ad nauseum. We heard it, and I was like believing that there's no way in hell we were going to, and we did one time, but uh, it was uh, had enough loft on it and stuff like that, so we got out of that. But uh, also, so they kick it to him. He houses it. Uh, they catch a punt inside the five, fumble it, comes right back up to him. I mean, literally in one phase of the game, they tried to gift wrap uh, a win for the. Oh, we lose him. I'll continue on that. So I think it was a third quarter was they had, uh, I might get this stat wrong, but they, they had negative one yard and 15 points or something like that in the third quarter. I mean, they, well, it was what seventeen to two, right? Yes. Yeah, I uh, went outside to mow my lawn, and I didn't even finish. Like I, I was like, "Oh, I have to come back." In. I came back in like five minutes later because I had forgot something. Seventeen, seventeen, and I was just like, "Well, fuck, forget that." Bison <laughs> <laughs> will win thirty-four seventeen. You know, yep. and I didn't even watch the rest of it. I, I tuned back in at the very end when I saw on Twitter that, "Oh wow, Sam Houston." despite trying really hard to give this game, <laughs> didn't do it. I, I, I listened to it on the drive over and the, the manner uh, with which they lost made me so happy because normally that's the sort of situation where you're like, okay, they're going to find a way. They have so many good athletes. One phase struggles, another one takes over and they're going to go down and they're going to score and it's going to be great for them. And yeah, it, bad quarterback play and just the game just kind of falls apart and that's it. And man, I enjoyed that. That was fun. Yeah. And I do want to highlight cause Brennan talks about it quite often and, and we all joke about it. And uh, Matt, you brought up a good point when we talked about the Jerry Rice award winner today, talking about conference differences and competition and stuff, but uh, he's called them the Southland with no D because they've been notorious <laughs> for not showing any. But I got to say, man, they – they I mean, and granted, it's a function, a little bit of NDSU trying to figure out what they want to do. If they're one-dimensional, you know, they're, they're in trouble. And uh, if the running game isn't working for them, which it, it didn't in two of, two of their losses specifically. So they, they stopped the run and stuffed it. They, they were getting after the quarterback in the run game. Uh, they were doing an excellent job. So they shouldn't be slept on, man, because they're – they're a high-powered offense. They got a ton of athletes. They got a ton of scat-type wide receiver bodies who can just create. And, and the reason they catch the ball at the five is because if they make one guy miss, they're 88 and out the gate. You know, uh, my math isn't so good there. Be 90, 90, be something, be gotcha. something. PE major. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, man. So it's going to be exciting to see how they stack up against JMU, who's bullied. Uh, bullied a, what I thought was a pretty quality UND team. Still trying to figure out what what they're about. You know, a lot of smoke and mirrors, and I think they were on borrowed time too. Um, so I don't know. What's your take, Matt? What do you who do you got in the in that Sam Houston JMU matchup? I mean, I I, I think you still got to give it to JMU just from having been there. And again, uh, that was a big reason I let. Obviously you kind of always give the Bison the benefit of the doubt no matter what. But I kind of thought, too, a Southland team, I mean, come on, this is going to, you know. And that that's to Sam Houston's credit. Maybe they're finally bucking the trend and a Southland team that can actually play, you know, real football, so to speak. Um, so good for them. Uh, but James Madison, again, as much as people have tried to say they're not as tough this year, they haven't played anybody or whatever. Well, for one, the fact that they haven't played a lot of football is probably benefiting them. We've seen that these exactly. teams – have had a lot of time off. The rest has superseded when any sort of rust you would think that might create on them. Uh, and also, again, I am also really torn on North Dakota. I think they've been overrated all year. Um, you know, they got to open with three straight home games that, you know, I think gives a lot of teams an advantage that, and they, you know, they shouldn't have beat the Jacks. The Jacks beat themselves that day. Um, but still, they're a good team in the Valley. Uh, that, that's, and like I said, that's, I thought the score made it look even closer than it was. It seemed to me like 
James Madison kind of had their way with them that whole game. So, uh, but it's it's in Texas, right? Yes, it's it's in Huntsville. So that's yeah. gonna that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, that's the other thing. So that's real interesting. I think, I mean, I think it's a toss up. I I won't be surprised by either result. I, I believe the the current line's almost a wash. I want to say it's JMU by a point, is what I saw last. So that that one's interesting. I don't know what to think because that was a good call. You brought up Brendan and the you know the Southland Conference with no D, but again they showed it. So I, yeah, I don't know what to expect. I'm I'm looking forward to watching that one. Absolutely. There's the one of the night that I'll use. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Running joke. It's called the A-team because the first few pods Matt and I did, we would just not stop saying absolutely. Um, it's our stage <laughs> fright. Um, but I can pee without anybody watching me. It's okay. Yeah. Um, um, so it's a special t- talent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, no. Uh, so let's get some predictions and uh, get you out of here. We appreciate your time. Um, who do you got? We'll start with the uh, the one that doesn't involve the Jacks. Who you got in JMU, Sam Houston? I'll take uh, James Madison, 27-21. I like that. Okay. How about you, Dallas? I Yeah, I got to gotta take JMU. Um, I'm going to take him by 10. I'm going to go with 31-21. I think James Madison is going to put – 30 what did what was the UND score? They Ooh, scored 30 something I think. I'll just go 35 35 21. I think they're going to put it on them. I think Signetti has a, he's got piss and vinegar and he seems well I won't give anybody bulletin board material. Um, <laughs> we saw what happens when I, when SIU did that. So. <laughs> but uh as far as the Jacks, let's get to the good guys. Who do we got in that one? Jacks 24 20. Yeah, I don't. What, what did we see? They opened with like a nine and a half point spread, something ridiculous. Uh, I think it's a low scoring game. I'm going to go 17 13. Good guys. Yeah, their last few games, Delaware has, has been tight contests. So I don't know if that's a function of them not being able to really blow it open offensively. Or or the other team's defenses. I think we're going to be woken up after that that showing we just had on defense, or we better be. So I'm going to go 21. Now I'm going to go. I'll go 20. <laughs> I'm going to go 23 20. Jacks 23 20. 23 20. Okay. Yep. Something's got to give, and I and I think uh, I think this is going to be a game that'll favor Pierre in space offensively, um, and then defensively. Uh, I'm going to go to the secondary. Who's going to have to make some plays. I'm going to say Don's going to have to like do what Don did in the second half to really shut some people down. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to pick the lone senior. I know I've been, I've been hammering Tetzloff all year. It's going to be my season MVP, but I think uh, one, one more game. That's what I'm going with defensive player of the game. Nice. Well, cool, man. Yeah, it should be exciting. It's been a, a heck of a heck of a run here for the Jacks in a very strange season. Yeah, everybody's done their uh, their part, you know, support staff included, and in making sure guys can get the games played, um, which has been excellent. Uh, so we'll keep doing that, and then everyone hopefully turn out because uh, the presence was known. I've never seen Stig gush the way he did over a crowd, no matter how big or small. Um, and, and it makes a huge impact. I got a chance to go to college game day. Uh, NDSU fall started several times, but last night in some key moments, Southern Illinois, you know, had false starts and could have been a function of the crowd, you know, could have been a lot of things, but it definitely makes a a difference. So keep doing that. Um, and then are you guys going to be able to, do you guys know when, when, and if, uh, we get to Frisco, when those tickets are going to go on the market? I know nothing what how they're I mean you can't <laughs> I ask and people look at me like you fucking kidding me you're gonna jinx even touch that I'm not touching that read read fair fair I just don't want to miss it because it's only fifty percent right now and I know how uh JMU travels and Sam Houston is here. Woof so right oh man I'm gonna just keep an eye out just keep an eye out don't put it out of your minds but just make notes. 
Yep. Next play. Well, what, yep. Yep. Win today. That's it. Yep. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Quick. Uh, Kurt Lickus asked here, Matt, do you happen to know what conference, where, where the referees are coming from this weekend? I do not. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll tweet that out. If anybody hears anything from last week. What, sorry. What's that? Hopefully not the same place they came from yesterday. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Hopefully they're not a non-factor. Uh, that would be nice. You know what the worst call they made all night was as bad as all they were on the, the bad second down play call that were at called the passing play and Gronowski's being pushed backward like for 10 sec blow the whistle. What is it? Like, <laughs> I could not believe I actually screamed in the press box. Blow the whistle. I, 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 that was when I was kind of like, all right, you guys are terrible. Like, I know we're all, we're all concerned about player safety these days and right now specifically, and you're not going to like save his life on that one, but uh, Oh man. Strange times. Well, we appreciate you joining, man. Like I know you, you didn't have to give any more of your time to, to football having gone through it this past weekend, but it's much appreciated. We'll have to get you back, get you back on to just shoot the breeze sometime. Thanks for having me guys. Sure. Yeah, seriously, Matt, thanks so much. I, I mean, I really appreciate it, bud. You bet. See ya. All right, brother. Did we just oh, make a new friend? I think we did, man. He I think provided it, he provided a lot of good insight. You can see I why know. he's in, in reporting and in, uh in, in sports coverage, because you know, quick like being able to condense and distill, you know, things into a palatable manner. You know yep, what I mean? Correct. It's so, almost like he does it for a living. It's crazy. Yeah, you you would think, right? <laughs> I wonder if someone pays him to do that. <laughs> I bet this, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that was cool. I enjoyed that. We, we need to have him back. Yeah. We need to have people on here that can kind of guide us like that. The Matt and Matt's uh, both of them kind of guided the flow of the combo. Yep. But uh, man, I'm, I'm super excited and I really mean it. I hope these boys bring their lunch pails because this, it's good. There's going to, it's going to be a battle, you know, it's going to be a battle. I, I say this every week at the start of the week, but I'm nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm not, ironically. I think they well, that, needed they needed exactly what they got out of SIU, I think. They needed to get slugged. Because yeah. we because honestly, the games that we I mean, even NDSU, we controlled the entire game. Yeah. Controlled the entire game. And, yeah, and that would, you you need to be able to be exposed to a variety of circumstances to know how to transcend it, right? Especially the youth that we've got on the team um shit who brought that up someone it might have been granowski brought that up of like okay now they've seen he they did. know they can come back they know they can do this they know they can do that and that was another one of those things that just blew my mind of like you're how old are you and you're you're able and i'm not, I'm not talking down to him saying that but again that was just one of those other things where i'm like man no, i agree with you you're 100%. speaking beyond your years this is crazy couldn't agree more man and and you don't so some of it is is imitation, right? We learn through imitation. I did retain some Ed Psych in, in school. <laughs> but uh, some of it's imitation, right? You imitate those who you aspire to emulate. And uh, and you imitate and you watch these guys and you wonder if it's, if it's real or if they're just kind of going through the motions. And the more you see it, the more consistent he is and the more comfortable he is in trusting his teammates, right? And his teammates obviously trust him. It's a different feel, man. You know, we do this because this is our hobby, right? We we cover, we follow, and we're former alums, so it's a little bit different for us. But this is a different Jacks team. Yep. You know, and I'm not even talking skill set. That is what it is. But you gotta you gotta recognize the sincerity and the candor that they speak about one another. And you know, from Greenfield talking uh, about Mark to talking about the the unit as a whole to Mark talking about. They got their defenses back to, you know, Tets just being being methodical and going about his business. And yeah. Back yeah, is back is showing how everyone's accountable to Caleb Caleb Sanders and his post game press compressor at SIU. He's like, honestly, I don't really think about scheme. I just go straight ahead and do what I got to do. <laughs> that you want that man. It was oh god, that was so funny listening today. Uh, you know, interview a D lineman. I mean, I don't know what you expect yeah. to get out of that, but hearing that last question of like, so when you're reading that and you're reacting, like, uh, <laughs> dude, it's goal line. I Great see questions. I, yeah. It was, but you see grass and you see shoes and yeah. that's it. 
he and answered then, it phenomenally. I, I think he, he did pretty well. Uh, but yeah, it just you don't you're not reading. You're you're yeah. pushing, and if you see ankles that are skinnier than the other ankles, you grab those. Exactly, and, and that that's that's what you do on a goal line stand, and that's it. So you try to move the line of scrimmage. That's really it, man. It ain't rocket science. Um, but yeah, it's man. I just I I love the energy they're playing with. I love how they they transcended what they needed to to battle through. Uh, this past weekend. And I think that that's only going to pay dividends when you see, when you see adversity and you see, you know, fighting back from a deficit or, you know, it's next man up mentality, you know, it's only going to carry, this is going to carry. So hopefully we, uh, we finish strong. It is. And sorry, back to not, not to draw it out further, but uh, you know, you talked about just the team being different and stuff. And we mentioned, you know, coach Rogers bringing that up. And I mean, there's always been great athletes. I mean, you, you go, go back to, you know, back to way back to my era and before that, and then, you know, I had multiple teammates, you know, with, you know, either, either have, you know, short careers or at least cups of coffee with NFL teams and, you know, Canadian teams. And, you know, there's always athletes, but you, you see the things that 20 years ago Stig was preaching and these guys believe it now. And not, not that, not, not that you did you know that nobody believed it before, but it's different and it's more, you know, more, more cohesive. Everybody's bought in and, and you can see this kind of uh, the way that Stig's wanted to build this come to fruition. And, and I, like I said, I want to sit and gush about Stig, but like, again, you can just, you can see the evolution over the years and it's changed. I don't know if it looks that way to you, but. I think that's a really uh, interesting point you bring up. Cause I think it plays to something I, I heard in the media um that I I found was really flippant to say North Dakota State obviously you know they've had a, a ton of storied success but they they claim almost as if you know they're the standard look at what they've made the jacks be and I I would look at that from a different <gasps> angle you know I, I would say I look at that from a different angle because in 07 08 09 even in 06 when we were playing for a great west title we upped their ante for a long time. I mean, if you look at the teams that have beat them historically, it's us and James Madison. I'm in Southern Illinois now and you and I, so there's a couple sprinkled in, but consistently beating them, it's been us, yep. you know? And, uh, you know, that's not even just a function that we play them every year. I mean, we beat them the first time and then coming back and beating a team twice, as you can see is tough, right? So yep. what you're talking about, you know, you can have athletes. I want to give credit to Eck to coach Rogers, to coach Berge, to a lot of the new guys that they've, they've cycled in and, and had buy into the, the recruiting philosophy of, you know, find your guy that's going to be a jackrabbit guy, right? That's going to be a, a, our type of approach to the, to the game, you know, student of the game, good teammate, jackrabbit way type stuff and develop them, right? Don't go to the farm systems too much of, you know, you're going to have transfers here and there, but there's, there's another Valley guy who I played for who builds his team exclusively through FBS bounce backs. And, uh, and it's, it's hurting. If you look at some of the articles that were written, it's, it's, you know, it's hurting other teams because the cohesiveness isn't there. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's been really great to see from, from South Dakota state. So we need to use that and we need to get this dub on Saturday at 11 a.m. hundred percent. So, let me, uh, I'm, I'm going to pull a, a Matt Tallis and I'm going to name drop here in closing. So I just got a text from, from Bergie. Uh, I shot him a text earlier and he just said, uh, this is a special group. Love being around them. Let's keep it going this week. One week at a time. Love it. Yep. Love it, man. On that note, nothing more to say. So go big, go blue, go Jacks. Go Jacks. This has been the Splitting Hairs Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe as well as follow Jackrabbit Illustrated on Facebook and Twitter. If, if, if I'm Nick Hill, I think I probably regret a lot more calls today uh, than John Stiglmeyer or, or Jason Eck or anyone do. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, it's been really great to see from, from South Dakota State. So we need to use that and we need to get this dub on Saturday at 11 a.m.